0: to the TEH the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast. We're recording late this week so we could all get together in person. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com/teh82. This week we have all four regular hosts and then some. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of thisistrue.com, helping you get smarter every week and the host of the Uncommon
1: Sense podcast. I'm Leo Notenboom, the Leo behind AskLeo.com and a lover of computers, coffee, and the occasional
2: corgi. What's an occasional corgi? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gary Rosenzweig, the, uh, the host uh, at MacMost.com, and I also make uh, iOS apps and things like that. They sleep a lot, that's why. The occasional corgi? Yeah. <laughs> They're occasionally what else? Labradoodles sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm
3: Alan Wyatt. Um, I'm proprietor of tips.net um, and WordTips and Excel tips, newsletters, and we could go
4: on from there, but we won't. Et cetera, like Google, we all do. Et yeah, yes. So many things. Yes. And, and many other things. I'm Kevin Savitz. Uh, I am a host of uh, AtariPodcast.com, Antic, the Atari 8 bit podcast, where I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people about computer history things. I am Eric Wyatt from
5: brandingpower.com and I like talking about branding and uh, working with people that make sh- their stuff look better and get the best message out for their brand that they can. Any mm-hmm.
1: And he likes to play with corgi- or uh, Legos. Yay! You sure. almost or, um, said you almost said, corgi- said corgi- corgi- be, yeah. Everyone likes to play be a with whole corgi- corgi- conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
4: right.
1: I actually have seen a Lego Corgi. It's awesome. I mean somebody built
3: it with bricks as opposed to a minifig. And you don't have to walk it. You don't? It you don't have just to clean up after it, it? It doesn't shed, yeah. which is huge. You still have to watch out and not step on it, though. But. That's true. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so so what's been going on this week, guys? Uh, just driving around. Yeah, just a little. So we are in an undisclosed location. I like to refer to it as uh, room 433 of the TEH Towers in Boise, Idaho, where we've come to meet in person for a
3: change. This is the
1: third time i think we've done an in person podcast mm-hmm. might be so,
3: yeah. Yeah. sounds very tony starkish you know 433
1: of the
0: tech towers that's because we set fire to the room when we leave and we leave via the roof well yeah the helicopter
1: Yeah, of course how else would you get out so anything new or exciting going on these guys anything other than travel which of course is a it was a big piece
3: of my Saturday at least. Oh, but you were traveling with new software, weren't you?
1: Indeed. So I as as I think our listeners know, I drive a Tesla, a Model S that I got a couple two and a half years ago. And Tesla pushed their big version ten software update. Um <coughs> I like to live on the edge. And the 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 way I can prove that is that what better way to take a major software update to your car and hope that it doesn't brick it is when you're 580 miles away from home, huh. which is exactly what I did. I drove over here on the version 9 software, and the version 10 software became available uh, Sunday afternoon. And your car
4: just drove back on version 10. It, but, but you're still here. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: Come back! Run, run, runners, marathoners, have, have a, a saying, which is, no, near, no new gear on race day. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I'm not a runner.
4: <laughs> but still, it's, it's a good axiom, isn't it?
1: It's yes. a, well, it can be, yes, yes. I don't make major changes to my site before newsletter day, that kind of stuff. But this is different. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? It's a car. Uh-oh. Well, and you had to jump through some hoops just to get it to load. Right, so the, the way that the, the software gets updated on a Tesla is it requires that you have a, a Wi-Fi connection to the car, which, of course, I do when I'm at home and it's parked. But, of course, when I'm out here, it doesn't. It. It's connected through uh, one of the cellular networks that, that the cars are pretty much always connected through. So I had to uh, get uh, creative in terms of getting that Wi-Fi connection to happen. I did try to connect up to the hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, which failed and my theory is that it couldn't get past the interstitial uh, which is something that we know causes problems and in fact I do know that um, the Tesla connection is in fact through its own VPN so Mm -hmm. Gary and I were chatting briefly a moment ago about problems with VPNs reconnecting through the hotel's Wi-Fi because of the the interstitial that comes up and and asks for your room number and makes sure you uh, approve all the, the rules and regulations and Promise not to download
4: porn. Not download a new car.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. We can't download porn on the hotel. We have to use a VPN to do that. Oh, okay. You're fine. Um, You're fine. (laughs) um, So what I did instead, I also I always travel with a a hotspot, a little MiFi that I use with my cellular uh, provider, and as it turns out, my uh, data plan has a bunch of accumulated data available. Verizon tends to roll over unused data from one month to the next. So I figured there really wasn't much risk in terms of the amount of data that might get downloaded. So I said, why not? I turned on the hotspot, left it in my car overnight, made sure the car was connected to Wi-Fi, i.e. the hotspot. And sure enough, a couple of hours later, the deed was done.
3: You didn't have to control, delete, or anything like that? No, no, just had to make, sure, just
1: had to make sure that the car was, was, had enough battery, right? yeah. so that it wouldn't... And wouldn't, the MiFi had enough battery. And the MiFi had enough battery, um, and that my data plan had enough room, which it did. My theory, my, looking at the numbers, the rough numbers, I think the update was probably about 600 megabytes, which... Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad hmm. uh, for an entire car. <laughs> um,
5: so, so what you're saying is your, your Tesla was able to update yes. without being plugged in. Correct. But my iPhone can't update <laughs> unless it's plugged in. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Well, then, that's your problem for using our iPhone. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Shade. <laughs> um, so anyway, the car did update nicely. A couple of random features. We did play around with this um, enhanced summon the other day. There will be... Uh, uh, you, you, by now, you'll probably have seen videos of people having... I'll just say interesting problems with enhanced summon, but uh, our little test in the parking lot here at the hotel uh, worked fine. It was actually very cool. Nobody got run over. Nobody got run over. It yes. Was very, can
0: can no, we can we uh, put that video? Yeah, absolutely. On the
1: show absolutely. We should share that video. We'll, we'll do that. Okay. Um, was it just a drive forward, or did you did it actually like turn? It or? had to turn. It came out of the parking spot, turned left towards me, uh, and pulled up in front of the hotel. And uh, And somebody else got in. To where I was standing. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, The other thing, and the reason I actually put the Tesla on our our little list of topics to talk about today, is that one of the most requested features, apparently, for the Tesla software is support for Spotify. In the past, they've had uh, built-in support in the car for Slacker, for streaming audio, for TuneIn, for basically radio stations and um, uh, sports stuff, and talk shows, and podcasts, but apparently enough people use Slacker. That, I'm sorry, use uh, Spotify. That that was big on the hit list, and indeed, uh, Spotify is there. It works. I ended up signing up for a premium account with Spotify because that's what's required in order for Spotify to work in the Tesla. Spotify is a very cool, very cool uh, streaming service. Uh, it's probably what I'll end up switching to from uh, Amazon Unlimited now that I've used it for a few days. But um, I think it was, was uh, Kevin who was questioning why, what, what makes one better than, than the others or what's already right. in the car.
4: I have a Spotify uh, family account and uh, I'm a big fan of it, been using it for a long time. But when I've been in the Tesla, um, there's streaming music, and it's, although up until now it hasn't been Spotify, it's been fine. Right. There's everything I've needed. There's there's a jazz channel, there's a Broadway channel, there's the kid listens to the, the Disney channel, there's an 80s, 90s and Today channel. That's everything I need, you know? Right. And and uh, the, quality, the sound quality is good, and it, no, it's not the, whole, the entire Spotify everything, but it's been fine. So I'm wondering what the benefit is to having Spotify over the the built-in streaming, whatever it was, TuneIn or whatever. I
1: I think a lot of the (laughs) the pressure from existing customers were people who already have Spotify (coughs) Mm -hmm. and didn't want to use Slacker, didn't want to use TuneIn because they already were paying for Spotify. So now they can. They can use that in their car. I was looking at Spotify in the hopes that it would help consolidate my um, podcast subscriptions Mm -hmm. because Spotify supports podcasts at least in their mobile app and on their uh, desktop and website. As it turns out, they do a very poor job, as in pretty much not really supporting it at all, in the car. So that was pretty disappointing. Uh, the um, So what I'm doing now, I guess, is I'll go back to tune in for my uh, podcast needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been using Google Podcasts on the way down here to listen to some podcasts, but... Again, you know how many podcast players do you need? Um, go ahead. No. So the, the one thing that I discovered just yesterday after having this Spotify premium account is that a feature that I used to love about Amazon Music is that I can have my Spotify account associate with all of my existing MP3s that are on my PC. And I have like megabytes, thousands of MP3s that I've collected over the years. I ripped all my CDs some, some years ago and put them all into, um, mm-hmm. into a collection. So now those are all going to be available on Spotify, on the PC, but apparently it will also synchronize then to my mobile apps yeah. and to my car.
4: I didn't know that was a feature you could do with Spotify. Yeah, neither
1: did I. And so, while I ended up being disappointed about the podcast situation, mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty jazzed about the you know using my own MP3s.
4: And they've also added uh, you can watch Netflix in your car. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and with the version 10, you can watch Netflix in the car, but you have to be in park and you have to be on Wi-Fi. So yeah, it's not really all that exciting. And you have to have a Model
1: 3 because it doesn't work in the Model S. Oh. Ah.
4: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's Netflix, and there's some other uh, streaming video service that they support as well. I don't remember. I forget which it is. But, yeah, those two requirements, right. not moving right. and having to be connected to Wi-Fi kind of make it a, a non-star. My problem
4: people. with Spotify, my, my little problem with Spotify is I have a family account, but it only allows every user to be listening in one place at one time. Okay. Okay. So makes sense. It it does make sense. So if I'm listening in my office on my account to music, and then my wife is upstairs and she talks to the Amazon Alexa and she says Spotify play music, which is also on my account, it will cut off what I'm listening to, Mm. which is which is annoying. And I probably could. My daughter has an Alexa in her room, and we were there were so many conflicts that she has her own sub-account within the, the Spotify family account, which is connected to her Alexa. So she can listen to music while we're listening to music in the kitchen, for instance. Right. But, so what but I'm wondering now, when I hook up the Tesla to the, our Spotify, I'm going to have to create another fake account called Tesla with under the family oh, right. so that someone can listen in the car while I'm at home or, something, or vice versa. Right, right. You know.
1: What I'm wondering about, because I actually have an Alexa hooked up to my home stereo. Uh-huh. the, the In home stereo, mm-hmm. and one of the problems with Alexa is that it's difficult to 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 from a different echo instruct that echo to play a specific um, music service. Yes, uh, and I'm hoping that Spotify will allow me to do that.
5: Hmm. Yeah, we, so go ahead. we have that. Kind of thing at our house and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right, you know, you gotta get that right, just that right voice command and stuff. And it's like, does the device name come first? Does the streaming service come first right. and stuff
1: like that? Right. You know,
5: it's, right. it's not very intuitive.
1: Well, and there's from some streaming services, like I'm also, I've also subscribed to a service called calmradio.com. They play a lot of, of very relaxing music. They've got an organ channel that I love, that kind of stuff. But the issue is that they are not enabled to play on anything than the Alexa device on which you're making the request. Which, when you're using multiple Alexas, is kind of a disappointment. The Alexa device that's actually hooked up to our uh, in-home stereo is in the basement. right? So there's no way to talk to it without going to the basement. And even then you won't hear it because its speakers aren't there. So what the, the thing we normally would like to do is say, you know, Alexa plays this and this... On house, which is what I happen to have it called, but I can't do that with calm radio, huh. and I'm hoping that I can do that
4: with hmm. um, Spotify. And you can't even do that with the app, and it certainly doesn't make you very, very calm to shout down to the basement, Alexa, ah! Ah! play calm radio, play my relaxation, play <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> so anyway, it definitely qualifies as first world problems, but it's, it's an interesting scenario to see if, if they've got that nailed down. Right. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with. With Spotify, just from the music selection point of view, I did a couple of quick searches last night for some random, more esoteric uh, choices. And um, like I said, I'll probably end up uh, stopping my Amazon Unlimited subscription and just drop back to
4: whatever they offer with my Prime account. Yeah. It's difficult to find music that's not on Spotify. Not impossible, but you have to go hunting. What I've discovered is that,
1: especially in classical music, hmm where it's more than just finding a song. Sure. You're finding a performance. Right.
4: You want the Boston Symphony version right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or in my case, it's the Michael Murray recording of Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor.
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: They don't have that.
4: Yeah. They have
1: other recordings of Toccata and Fugue in D minor, but not that one.
4: Yeah. And
1: looking a little deeper, it looks like that particular record label, Telarc in this case, may not be on Spotify.
4: Right. So...
1: Speaking of music, we seem to have some. One of thing, <laughs> the things street. I like, I think your car just
2: drove no. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard all <laughs> these, these comments. <laughs> Somebody's Alexa overheard the comments. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't checked, uh, being on Apple Music for the last two years or whatever, I haven't checked um, if they've gotten proof this, but um, Spotify has also a great comedy record collection. Like, um, pretty much all the comedy records. And I didn't even realize that for a long time, because I used Spotify for a long time mm-hmm. before Apple Music. That you could just dig into thousands, tens of thousands of common records on Spotify. Mm. It was a lot of fun once I discovered that. Yeah,
1: yeah. It looks like they've got a pretty huge selection. So um, they can thank Tesla for getting them another subscriber because I, I subscribed. That's why they did it. That's why they, did it. they get you. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. How do we get Leo? Mm.
2: <laughs> so. Hey, speaking of Apple, jailbreak. Yes? Jailbreak. jailbreak. Oh, the new jailbreak? Well, I mean, that's kind of... It's not... No, no. You're, so there, there actually is a new jailbreak, too. Oh, wow. Um, not that anybody... I mean, the reasons to jailbreak, most of them have gone away. So we won't even mention that. Although that, that was a security kind of like... Because you, you can jailbreak your phone in a way now that you couldn't for a long time that actually Apple can't take away. Um, and people freaked out over this, thinking it was major... It, it's something you do to your phone. Like, you have to have physical access to it mm. in order to do it. So it's not the kind of thing where somebody could break into your phone. But what we're talking about, really, is the ability to sideload apps. There's a new um, there's a new process. you know what that's called, Kevin? It's you're... called the, the Alt Store. The Alt Store, yeah. yeah. So the idea here is that you, you still can't get apps anywhere but the App Store. However, if you're a developer... And you're developing apps, you can work on your app and then put it on your phone, from your Mac to your phone as you're developing it. So to use that exploit, you basically develop a Mac app that will pretend it's a development environment and then allow you to load an app that your phone kind of thinks is an app you're working on. And it it's just a way to get apps in on the side. I think there's a limit though. I didn't see anything in the article I read about this limit. If I were to load an, app, load an app into my iPhone that I was working on, six months from now it stops working. Right, it expires after a certain number of weeks, yeah. and this thing apparently does the automatic yeah. renewal. So you have to keep syncing it with your Mac. Right, with your Mac. Now, yeah. a- Apple may disable this. Um, I-, I think if this doesn't catch on, like not that many people use the Apple, just won't care. But yeah. if it starts start to catch on, of course, what will happen is somebody will take advantage. Uh, of it, because you can do anything with this. You could do as a developer, and as a developer, I could really mess up my phone. I could put, I could write some software, load it on my own phone that sucks a lot of battery power, or you know, does things that it shouldn't. Um, so technically, anything that you could do as a developer, this app could do right. to your phone. So it's probably not a great idea to do. I know the big killer app on it is a NES emulator.
4: When it, yeah, when I originally heard about this, I thought this is a terrible idea. Because it, this is a a gateway to viruses, really to to, to huh. having unwanted so, you know software that s- steals your information and uploads it to who knows where and and it, I mean jailbreaking and, and installing apps uh, from any from the non Apple store is for most people not a good idea huh. and leaves, the idea left a baptism in my mouth until I got I read somewhere a couple places that oh people are using this to put in like emulators, like Nintendo emulators, yeah. right? so they, which is something that that uh, Apple doesn't allow. Um, it, under, under many circumstances, they don't allow... I think they would <clears> allow <throat> it
2: if they wouldn't be sued.
4: Right, Maybe. yeah. I mean, so, it's
1: not, so, is that the issue I was going to ask? Right. Why they wouldn't allow it? You can't... It, you can't
4: and for Atari. instance, I know you can't have an Atari computer emulator or an Apple II emulator that is a full computer because they have BASIC, and they don't want any sort of language that you can program, it, it, it violates the rules somehow. If, it, if it's like an emulator that plays one game, right. and you can't break out of that sandbox, that's fine. But if it's like, uh, a, has a basic programming environment or whatever, they just they don't allow that for some reason. So you don't, can't have a full emulator, and cer- certainly the Nintendo, Nintendo emulator would violate Nintendo's copyright. But yeah, you want to install a and Nintendo emulator with this you can and so that all of a sudden was like ooh I see why people would want to do this now. Have you done it? I have not.
2: I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I get I get that. I mean, I mean to me it's more like the fact that the emulators yeah they violate those copyrights and that's right. the issue with it. And from a user standpoint, it's like if you want to play a an old NES game. Yeah. You know, by all means, go. Take your risk of copyright infringement. Install maybe or on your, something. Get I mean, it on your Mac or right. your PC or whatever. Like, do you really need it on your phone? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. It, nothing's, <laughs>
5: better than, nothing's better than eight bit graphics on a Retina display. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay.
2: Right. Yeah. So you know.
4: Anyway, I just thought it was interesting, and they say that this is not something that Apple can work around because it's you have to allow developer access and it work and, and maybe it. Apple can
2: work around it. If but. they care. Enough. I mean, if that's the thing. If it's not going to be a big deal, like not that many people are going to use it, then they probably won't take the t- time. But if it became a problem, then they would have to because, I mean, what happens if somebody does make an app, somehow sneak it onto this little alt store yeah. that is somehow harmful and then everybody points their finger at Apple for allowing the security hole or whatever so they want yeah. you know, for to... The, for the record, I mean, welcome
1: to the Android lifestyle. Right. Yeah. I mean, Android. You can you can sideload at will. Yeah. Any, oh, I know. Anything you, de- you right. could. All you need to do is uncheck a safety setting, and it literally buries. Why it we don't use something. Android? I understand <laughs> it is one of Apple's selling points, and actually, it's been one of their selling points across their their PCs and laptops as well. Is that you're kind of sort of in a walled garden where the things you get from the Mac Store and from the the iPhone Store have kind of sort of been vetted. There's a certain level of trust. Yeah. You know, Androids haven't imploded, right? It's not like there have been disasters because of this. Um, I think it's, it's uh, unless Apple decides to suddenly shut down what they might consider to be a hole, it's kind of cool. Like I said, it's not something to be afraid of. It really isn't.
2: Now, right, there, there are JavaScript emulators. that You could emulate some of these things in a web browser. Yes. So, I don't know if they work on the iPhone or not, but that's kind of interesting because you're not actually installing, like, emulator and getting a ROM, you're just going to wherever. And then doesn't archive.org actually have semi-legal copies of a lot of old arcade games? Yes, they do. Yeah, there's
4: also JavaScript stuff. But
2: then you need internet access to do that.
4: If you're sitting on an airplane, you can't exactly,
2: you know. (laughs) They're sitting on airplanes that often, though. I don't know. I prefer myself to bring my own NES A television, an old tube television. Uh Like a battery, like a, you know, one of the battery. Put it on your tray table. Yeah, put it on the, get that, get both those things cranking and play the original NES legal games while on the plane.
1: I always
4: bring my Apple 2E when I'm
2: traveling. It's
4: just just
2: fun, it's just fun to play around.
0: I do the 2C so it's more portable. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, you here in coach, I guess you need to. <laughs> yeah, there's just not room for there's the, no room, Fred, the whole E. You need that Apple IIc if it's.
1: That's why I fly business class. So there's room <laughs> for
2: my <laughs> team. <tini>. Room, <laughs> room for your NES. Room for your, your Apple for <laughs> I can't Lisa. Uh,
1: yeah, so it's funny. The, the day I interviewed at Microsoft, my first interview ended up running it half an hour late mm-hmm. because the guy I was interviewing with had to take me into this secret room and show me this new computer from Apple called the Lisa. Mm. It had this graphical interface, and ooh. <laughs> of, course of course, that didn't go anywhere.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and you took the job anyway. <laughs>
0: Yep, I did. It worked out okay.
4: It, I did
1: okay, yeah, yeah. So did they. <laughs> new words?
2: So what else we got? New words. New words? words. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's... Boy, that's from... Uh, so this is from uh, a while ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, that Merriam-Webster announced their new words. I guess they do this semi-annually, right? So... And some of the new words I found, one I found really interesting, I love it when a word that we actually use, that I actually use to identify myself, right. it's actually legitimized. Uh, solopreneur is one of the new words in the dictionary. So... No time. Yeah. I'm surprised it's sense. not there to be... It wasn't there to begin with, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Little phrases, like dad jokes, or dad joke is in the, the dictionary. Um, vacay is another one, so shortened words mm-hmm. and all that, so... I don't know. It's interesting stuff. I like, I like it when uh, I mean, you know, English language kind of continues to evolve. As long as there's a set of rules and that rules is called the dictionary. <laughs>
0: so,
2: if merriam Webster wants to add words, it's fine. Well, now, I'm just glad that they added Fatberg. Oh yeah? So, yeah. Fatberg, they did?
1: Yeah. 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 To, to reference that thing that shows up in the sewers when people uh-huh. are... Especially yeah. in London. Flushing, flushing <laughs> the supposedly flushable wipes that aren't really flushable. I, I
5: was no. just tired of people telling me it wasn't a word. You know, <laughs> daily conversations. A
4: large mass of fat and solid waste that collects in a sewer system. That sounds pleasant. It needs its own word. It, it needs a word. Yeah. Yeah. Or using the word. But it's an
5: important yeah. enough word that they chose that, you know, yeah. that, that needed to be highlighted. And
0: yeah. right. fabulosity. I like that. Yeah. that okay. Nice. A
1: fabulous quality. Yeah. I'm waiting for dad bod to show up in the dictionary. <laughs> that seems to be making the rounds. Right. Apparently having a dad bond is, is is a thing. Well
0: it, it scares me that supposedly kids think that's sexy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't need
1: them thinking you're sexy? Getting lustful over <laughs> old men. I don't know.
2: I may reach a point where Yeah, I'd like <laughs> the kids to be thinking I'm I'm okay. <laughs> so yeah, this bunch you now it's interesting they also in addition they come out with new words they add definitions to existing words. So like the term inclusive uh, now also means allowing and accommodating people who have historically been excluded. So, you know, you'd think, well, I mean, it was a word before, but now it's not just math, it's this. It's Um, a more
3: inclusive word.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Well, the dictionary is becoming more inclusive of words. Uh, Stinger is now okay to say as a, you know, the closing, uh, like a scene at the end of Um, or during or after the closing credits of a movie.
4: I didn't didn't realize that's what they called it.
2: Oh, yeah? Oh, it's it's
1: one
4: of the words. Interesting. And and they, too. Speaking of inclusive. The singular they. Yeah, singular they. uh,
1: Although I was talking to someone a couple days ago, and it did dawn on me that in certain circumstances, they remains ambiguous. Because you might refer to they... And it may not be clear whether you're speaking about an individual of indeterminate gender or a group or, or a group, group. Yeah. Yeah. right. So it's we still need
0: what context is for, I, yeah. Are, yeah. I yeah. mean, there's tons of English words that have
4: it, yeah. yeah, I suppose. yeah there's, a, there's a there's a word that when my daughter was younger, we needed we often needed a word for like we are going to the store, but it was. Your mother and I are going to the store. The we is not, not. is not including you. Okay, <laughs> so the word that we somehow came up with was quaxley. Quaxley are going to the store. That was we minus you. <laughs> and did, we, that, did that make it into no, the dictionary? No, it's not in the dictionary yet. But and how do you spell it? Q U A X L E Y. I guess that's the word. The for dictionary Anna. is not as inclusive as I had hoped. No. So, but yeah, I mean, that was just another, just like another. Problem with English language that "we" can be vague and doesn't necessarily include you. So <laughs> that's a good
1: point that, that sounds like a, one of those little—you know, there's no "I" in "team," there's no "you" in "we."
2: <laughs> 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 Do you? Uh, oh, escape room is another one
1: that's now there. My biggest complaint about dictionary changes in recent years is the fact that. The print keeps getting smaller. (laughs) Literal no longer necessarily means literally. No longer necessarily means literally. Uh The dictionary definition for literally includes that it might mean figuratively. So literally, literally doesn't mean literal. That's correct. And I have, in fact, in some articles that I've written, said the word literally and then footnoted it (laughs) to say where literally, literally means literally. (laughs) It's frustrating as it's a writer. It's good to have that
3: clarification in there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: sometimes people apparently don't understand what literally means. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh,
0: I, I think we found our, uh, our, episode, our, title. our <laughs> episode title. <laughs> uh,
1: we literally found our episode title. Yes.
0: Or figuratively. You
1: no, know, this was be little. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, it's not transitive, right? So literally could mean figurative. Right. But figuratively, apparently, at yeah. least
2: so far, never means literally. Well, nobody uses the word figuratively. That's I understand. Yeah. So, unless the only people that use the word figuratively are people that are trying to be more precise what, than the the literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, I literally meant figuratively.
3: Yes. Right. Uh. <laughs> Go to your room. <laughs> uh. so.
1: My literal room or the figurative room? <laughs> So, what else we got? What else is going on? Mm-hmm. There's stuff. Oh, that's
0: an awkward silence. <laughs> so, what are we doing in Boise? We're getting together to talk about things. <laughs>
1: Which, like,
0: <laughs> well put. Well put. Yeah, this is just kind of a side gig here, but uh, we're we're having fun uh, finding out what's new going on online and.
1: We talk about our you know business efforts and learn from each other and learn what to do or what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, share ideas and basically get some energy and enthusiasm for what we're doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so this group is, is how old? Now? Uh it turned twenty on I think May first. Now when we when, when it's, uh, almost it's almost legal, it's almost legal. Another year,
4: it can, so it can drink when this, <laughs> and it is as <laughs> When this group started, doing stuff online was hard and. And doing business online doing bus- was
0: unusual.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And learning how to do little. It, it was very difficult to learn to do things that are now dead simple. Right. And.
0: Yeah, there's a plug in for that. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and a, a group was needed. I mean,. To, to, to You had to learn from other people because you, you might know how to, figure out how to do something, and you might be the only person who knows how to do that, you know, within, within a hundred mile radius. so Or got, maybe
0: a thousand or yeah, more. So you
4: got together with the group and and uh, shared what you learned and, and, and helped other business folks out who were doing things online. It's called a mastermind group.
2: Yeah. Imagine that. It wasn't then, though. I mean, that's a term that's come in since...
4: Well,
0: mastermind groups have been around for a long time. but I, I didn't call it that.
2: Yeah, but
3: when was it added to the
1: dictionary? We need <laughs> kind of a mastermind. Actually, it mean. goes back to what the early 1900s, if I, it's not N- earlier N- than Napoleon
0: that, Hill right. talked about talked the about
1: mastermind,
0: right. In uh, Think and Grow
1: Rich, is he the one that coined the term? I don't know. Yeah, but that's certainly at least one of the earlier references to the concept, and it's very simple. You know, periodically getting together with like-minded people to discuss issues and learn from one another. For so instance,
4: I've learned from Leo right now that I also want some vodka.
1: There you go. <laughs> like
4: I said, we're old enough to, well, no,
1: we're not quite old enough to drink. Well, the group, anyway, <laughs> the group may not, but we are. Yeah. Um, so the group, you said, was what, 20 years old? Yes. So, 20 and a half now. So, of course, you would, be, being the founder of the group, you would have been here the longest. I started in 2003. Okay. So I've been here for, or no, earlier than that. 2003 is when Ask Leo started. I think I joined the group the year before that.
0: I think so. Yeah, um, I, w- I waited for you to be finished working for Microsoft and I said,
1: go to this URL right, fill right. out the application. And I needed, I needed a little extra time because we had some family stuff going on about them. But, uh, but yeah. And in fact, I blame or credit this group for the formation of Ask Leo. And I think that's true for a lot of the businesses. Sitting at the couch here. Mm-hmm.
3: It's certainly affected how I've done my business. I think I've been in it since three months after you started. You, you weren't a charter, okay? I, I was. You were. You I were was very early a charter, on, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's affected everything that I've done. Everything I've done in my business. We've had
0: good. we've had some interesting names of people in here that that a lot of online types would recognize. Right.
1: Right so it's one of those things where so we, we live in geographically diverse areas, and that's actually one of the things that brought us together originally is that we had people who understood what we were doing and that we could talk to about what we were doing
3: because nobody where we lived understood, nobody, nobody in the neighborhood,
1: neighborhood had a family group, right? didn't understand, and, nobody and, understood, yeah um, but then uh, one year, 2003 actually, one of the members said you know, we should get together and that was astounding because it made a tremendous difference in the, um, the the nature of the group. All of a sudden, we understood who it was at the other end of the email that we were we were receiving. The bandwidth, the ideas that flowed from actually being in the same room at the same time was pretty pretty amazing. Those were amazing. And and we've basically been getting together at least twice a year um, ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said this is what the thirtieth,
4: thirty-fifth meeting, thirty-fifth
1: meeting of this particular yeah, in twenty years. Yeah.
4: Three times a year, sometimes and there was know. a there was a period
1: where we did three times and a year. I two. It was a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and not obviously, not everybody can attend every meeting, and, and yeah. that's fine. We do different places. We we certainly don't do Boise every time. Although based on yeah. the restaurants, yeah, I'd come back. The food here has been really good. Um, but we tend to do different cities at different times around the country just to change things up and, and use it as an excuse to go see some other places we wouldn't otherwise see. so
3: yep yeah. I, I enjoy coming because it gets me out of the rut out of the box you know that we normally function in mm-hmm. it gives me a chance to clear the head and Get some new ideas. And... Well, that
1: same thing I was just saying about, you know, even though everybody around us now kind of sort of understands what it means to be, you know, an online entrepreneur or to build a website or to sell stuff online, there's still nothing like getting together with a bunch of people who actually do it and have been watching your own journey for several years to understand where you came from, what you're interested in, what your strengths are, what you want to do, so forth. So Yep. Yeah, there's nothing like meeting in person, even on even on the internet. Yeah,
0: and I, I guess I will even put the URL for the group in the show notes.
1: Oh, sure.
3: Why not? Mm-hmm. You're going to let the cat out of the bag? Wow! It was out of the bag a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't tell them where T E H Tower is. <laughs> <laughs> not
0: until they you know learn the double secret handshake. That's right. Yeah, right. That's right. So there was there was one member that had a radio show on technology issues way back. Uh, Back in the old days, he doesn't do it anymore. And he would call this... Um, the cabal of which we do not speak. <laughs> yeah. So I actually grabbed that domain for a little while.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, I wasn't going to do anything with it, so I just let it go again.
1: That's actually one of our running jokes here, is that it's not a successful conference unless you bought a domain. Especially
0: early on. Especially early on. Oh yes. my goodness,
3: we were buying way, dozens. Yeah, so way, way
0: early on was...
3: Not did you buy a domain, it was how, how many did you buy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm slowly winning. And some of us may be still holding on to some of those domains sure. from, from earlier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've got some domains I have no idea what I'm ever going to do with, but I'm certainly not going to let them go. They're yeah. too cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Leo, you came in in um, September of '02, and Alan, you came in uh, three weeks after founding, so you, you were certainly oh. one of the earlier ones.
1: I was in 2001. What's really funny, I was thinking about this the other day. You remember in the early days when we had these conferences, connectivity during the conference it was hard. Was yeah.
4: a huge issue. Yeah, right. and expensive, too. kid who has always been arranging our, our conferences, if she, she would have to go, do all this legwork to, like, is there enough bandwidth for us? Right, you know? right. And they would sometimes say, yes, we will lease you a
0: T1 line for your own use, a whole 1.54 megabits, um, and that would be $1,500 a day, please. Yeah. And we'd bring our own router so that we could then fan that out by, wet, by Wi-Fi. Right.
1: Right, Um, and in fact, I don't think we did that very often just because of the cost. Yeah, Uh, but we definitely were some of the early adopters in terms of using mobile internet. You know, so one of the considerations was: great, if the hotel doesn't have internet itself, are they near enough to cell towers so that enough of us can get a connection? Right, and maybe share it out.
0: And that was basically 2G at the beginning.
4: Yep. Back in so, the day.
1: We've we've seen a lot of advances and it's been very, very yeah. interesting. And now we're all sitting here uh, uh, the six of us sitting around the microphone here, four of us have our laptops open, one of us has a phone open, and we're all basically surfing the internet simultaneously without any real impact. And we wouldn't expect yeah. it. It's like why well, right, why not? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get
0: water in the in the rooms too. <laughs> No, I need internet before I need the
4: water. Because <laughs>
1: um, after all, you have vodka. Exactly. Uh, the, uh, I did do a test, by the way, and the internet speed that I got out of my room was like about 20 megabits down and 20 megabits up. Oh, slow. So It's slow. <laughs> it is slow compared to what, what a lot of us are running at home. But it's synchronous. But it's synchronous, which yeah. is interesting, which makes me think that it is some kind of a, not a T1 anymore. No, I'd be shocked if it were technically a T three, but it's some kind of synchronous dedicated. It's probably
0: fraction. some fractional fiber.
1: Yeah, yep. So very cool. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: things change pretty fast.
0: And that's part of what we get together for: is what's changing, and what do we need to watch right. out for in the future? What's coming mm-hmm. up, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's been very interesting.
2: Another awkward silence. <laughs> It's not awkward. <laughs> it's, awkward. You make it's not it awkward, awkward about it. awkward it. about it. We're all very comfortable in our podcast <laughs> silence. <laughs> and the listener should be too. <laughs> a
1: friend of mine calls it a lull. He likes to collect lulls in conversations. You just pay attention for the, for the awkward silence and say, oh, collected
2: it. I want one more for my collection. Yeah, Note
1: that down.
0: And, and then we can collect them all together and make an album.
1: Actually, you may not be able to. Because of John Cage. Silence is copyrighted. Yep, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it would not be litigated. If I'm not mistaken, it was, wasn't uh,
0: it? Yeah, that actually was a case in my Stella Awards Crazy Lawsuits book. I thought, yeah. so, It's called 433, because it's 4 minutes and 33 seconds of silence. Right. Oh, that well, number
2: can, comes up
4: again.
1: Don't use the word silence, use the word lull. <laughs> uh, a collection of walls. A different quality of silence.
0: <laughs> yeah. Alright, what else do we have?
3: Well, let's see.
1: So, Microsoft did make an announcement today. I don't have a lot of detail on it because, of, well, I've been busy here, of course. But they've announced uh, a new version of Windows 10 architected or customized for a new style of Surface laptop that they're going to put out. It's promised, I think, towards the end of the year. And the thing that's weird about it... Is that 10X or 10 10X, yeah. They're calling it 10X, uh, or at least so far it's called 10X. Who knows what it'll really be called by the time it gets released. And the device has been referred to as foldable, which, if you've been paying attention to the Samsung foldable. Which was a disaster at at first. And looks like it's still not really that much improved even after the re-release. The the headlines at least that I've seen are indicating that the device is still breaking in the ways you might expect a foldable display to break. Um, But looking at at least one uh, image of the uh, Surface whatever foldable device, um, it looks less foldable and more like I don't know, two iPads or, t- or two two tablets that work together uh, as opposed to being some kind of a single device that
3: actually literally folds. Um, as, as somebody <laughs> so pointed so it's out... A, it's a screen with a hinge down the middle type thing. It's not even that as much as it
1: is two screens. That, yes, if you put them together, they work as one screen, I guess, with a seam down the middle. I don't know. I don't know. It just... It, it's, it's interesting that they are continuing to try to innovate in that direction. Um, I think a lot of, certainly a lot of my readers would prefer that they revert to innovating in terms of improving the quality of what they're putting out every time. Um, my readers aren't looking for a new device. They're not looking for a foldable screen. They're looking for a Windows update that they can count on. And a lot of them, I mean, while the numbers that are the the, the actual, the literal numbers (laughs) of people that are affected are actually pretty small each time there's a Windows update, the amount of bad press it generates Mm -hmm. really has a lot of people scared. And that's unfortunate and Microsoft could fix it, but they're not. I, th- to
3: I think I read that, I don't know if it was today or just recently that Microsoft uh was pushing out a new update to Windows 10 mm-hmm. and for the Home and Family version or the Family and Home version I'm not sure which it is they don't allow you to make local accounts anymore you have to sign into it using a Microsoft account the Microsoft account yeah I well.
1: saw I saw a headline I didn't dive into it that seemed to imply that that was the case yeah and that just again, that also seems like a a, a really bad decision. Yeah, um, I'm sure that strategically for Microsoft, it might make sense in some in terms of some long term plan they have. To me, it would make sense to eliminate maybe or make option make it possible to eliminate on things like the enterprise version, where you've got corporations that want right. to be able to control what kind of accounts do and don't exist on
3: machines. Right, but in the home.
1: Let people do what people do. I don't. I don't understand why they why they want to take that away.
3: I don't know either. I have no idea. I, yeah, go figure.
1: So anyway, so yeah, the, Microsoft had an event, um, and whether or not it'll end up being something significant, it'll be it'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, I do like the idea. I mean, looking at it, uh, a preview of it, they've got you know the hinge. You know, having two separate screens on the hinge. I think it's. Far easier for us as people to just forget the hinges there yes. and just treat it as one screen yep. than it is for like what Samsung has done and tried to create an actual foldable it's screen, it's literal it's foldable, screen. foldable screen, yeah, literally, as opposed to this figurative
1: foldable yeah. screen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, I mean, first of all, it's cheaper, obviously, because it's not really any new technology. It's just and uh, probably less problematic and. People People probably just don't really care as much about that seam. I, I think the designers, the technology, probably care a lot about the little seam, but the actual end users right. are like, "eh, this works, this I works agree. fine." Yeah. If I
1: could take my current laptop and just flip it open flat and have the bottom half be another screen that worked in conjunction with the screen above it, yeah, that'd be great.
2: Yeah. And I think I mean I've talked about this before. I think the future is in a virtual uh, keyboard. Uh, I think probably Apple and other companies may be working on this because of the haptics that work in trackpads and things now, mm-hmm. where it really feels like, you know, something when you click, it really feels like a trackpad is clicking down. And then and the same thing um, with like the home button on the old iPhones, you know, now they have touch, uh, face ID. But the home button on the, on the I, couple generations of iPhone did not press down. Yet, people didn't realize that because the haptic feedback made it feel like it was. And you could actually show somebody, look, it's really not pressing down. And yes, it is. You could feel it. It's like, no, it's not. It's tricking you. And I think they could probably do something like that with a virtual keyboard and have this two-screen design that Microsoft has. The bottom part has a virtual keyboard on it with really advanced haptics, multiple-point haptics in there. And when you press a key, it feels like it's going down ever so slightly. But it's, then you can change the keyboard to whatever you want. You that, can do like that's a DJ. not my
0: problem. My problem is being able to know where my fingers
2: are on the keyboard. Well, I think they still could. I think you could put your fingers down and move them over the surface, and it feels like there are keys there. And then you can press down on each one, and it will feel like you're pressing down. But then the advantages are huge. The advantages are first, no moving parts. Second, sure. any keyboard you want. You want to switch to another language. You want to bring up a keyboard that's... Or like using Photoshop and it's got a bunch of weird special keys on it. If you're a DJ and you want to have these little like special controls for music on it, you could do that, you know, it could just change dynamically for whatever you want. Which, which yeah, there's which there's definitely football.
0: applications for it. But as a writer, you know, I'm I'm looking to enter English. So yeah. I need to know where my fingers are on the keyboard or else I get
1: gibberish. I, I think there are always going to be cases where. Only a real keyboard will do. Sure. Be it external, right? To a device like this, you obviously you could plug in something to, to be a real keyboard to it. But when you think about it, like when you're traveling, when you're not sitting down to actually do a lot of writing, like you like you and I both do, it might very well be a very very effective and sufficient keyboard, uh, making that laptop significantly more flexible and more powerful. Yeah. Um and thinner too. And thinner and potentially I don't know, will it end up using less power? Probably not. Haptic probably takes more energy.
2: I don't know. Well especially yeah, know if
0: you're projecting that's... something on because screens take a lot of juice.
4: Right. Well, well you've, you've got LED you know.
2: or the new, you know, there's the next gen would be micro LED. I know there's the the new us see the current LED technology and then there's Micro, and there's one past that. I mean, micro isn't on. There's one that's just basically having more LEDs behind the screen than currently. Like, And then there's one that has significantly more little tiny LEDs behind mm-hmm. the screen. And that one is actually supposed to be better than OLED in terms of battery life and longevity and stuff. But that's still a few years out. So, you know, you get those, and you get the haptics going all together. and yeah. Could be some interesting uh, things. And, you know, I, like the new iPhone... Uh, or the new iOS thirteen, I should say, has nothing to do with the iPhone, has the swipe keyboard. Which is nothing really new. You Already? Have, well for a long time you could have you could you could install a swipe keyboard on the iPhone. But the problem is then you would have to switch to it to use it and so just a lot of times your default is tapping anyway. Now it's just built into the regular keyboard. So I've been trying to use it. And you know that if you really think about it and concentrate and use the swipe keyboard, it's incredible how fast I can type on that thing with one finger swiping around yeah. the keyboard. Right. Right. So, I thought if I, if I really just said, I'm just going to type a lot and on the swipe keyboard and try to get better at it, like you normally would do with a new piece of technology, I think I could get faster at swipe typing on my iPad than actually typing with my physical keyboard on my Mac. Well,
5: it's actually interesting. There's a new study that, and, that just came out, where, um, and CNN reported on it actually today, um, that um, this comes from Finland, um, also a university. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But they're talking about how typing speeds on mobile devices are approaching those on physical keyboards. And they found that um, in the study, that's 70% as fast on mobile devices as they were on recording keyboards and stuff. And that's based on accuracy taken from 37,000 volunteers. You
1: know, so I wonder what the age range on those volunteers was. because well, Skewing so, lower, I'm sure. Well, well, when you look at you know, young folks, or right, teenagers and such... When they're texting to one another, holy crap their thumbs are moving fast. Yeah. Right. You know, I can't move that fast to be accurate, but they can because well, it's the primary input mechanism
3: they know.
5: I think that part mm-hmm. of that's because, you know, originally like with typing you were taught not to look at the keyboard. Right. But now on mobile devices you have to. it's yeah. all right there. Yes. It's all in that yeah. same area. So you're you know, even with the swipe, I basically I'm just glancing to see where I need to swipe my thumb to and stuff, and I you know, the magic of computers today it just knows oh he went a little bit to the right a little bit to the left oh he was spelling
1: cat
2: <laughs> yeah no it's definitely the predictive model right. going on with the swipe typing it's really and the other thing i
1: think that will impact this and potentially could also be another way for writers to get their stuff done um is voice recognition Nar- d- speech to text well, just, getting, just go straight to neural connection. It's getting dramatically better, uh-huh. um, even on these tiny devices that we carry yeah. in our pocket. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. Um, I have at least one friend whose primary data entry mechanism for messaging, and these are like long messages, is to basically hold her phone up to her face and whisper at it because she's in a room with other people.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And the phone picks up her voice just fine does a really good job of understanding what it is she said and rejecting all the other words that came from the background. So it's really, really impressive. And I'm wondering if there's a future there, too. I mean, I'm a horrible
5: speller, and so if autocorrect doesn't catch what I'm trying to say, mm. I'll flip over and do a, speak to text, <laughs> and I'll say the word, and I'm like, oh, I have that's no idea that's how the word That's how you spell it. Yeah. yeah. But even yeah. my daughter has kind of a um, speech... And pe- Not really in a speech impediment, but... Um, a nuance. A nuance. <laughs> and so she would have to take speech classes at school and stuff like that. And so we would try to correct her on things, and we'd be like, you're not saying it right. And she would argue with us, and then we would actually get out Surrey and say, okay, say the word. And Suri couldn't recognize it. We're like, see, you're not saying... Oh.
1: She believes Siri, not us. <laughs> what do you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's a whole other topic of generation that's going to go that route. So, I mean,
4: that's
2: main, the main problem, I think, though, is... Siri,
4: tell my daughter to go to bed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the main problem, I think, though, with the speech texting is the isolation Deal. It's like that's, you know, you get good at that until the minute you're on a bus and then you don't, not only don't you really have trouble, but you don't want everybody hearing what it is. That but everybody
5: might think that everybody's starting to talk to each other again, you know, rather than their face. <laughs> We're already talking
1: to ourselves because we've got this Bluetooth thing in our ear that people may or may not see. I mean, literally walking, literally walking from dinner <laughs> yesterday, I think it was yep. There was somebody on the street who was speaking loudly and we weren't sure if they were talking to themselves or talking to somebody on a phone. Was he pushing a shopping cart? No, no, he was, just, well, he was he was—he speaking in a loud and animated way that somebody who was talking to themselves might do. As it turned out, when we walked away, indeed, there was in fact a Bluetooth thing in his ear. But we're used to that. So this really isn't that far from it. And that's actually one of the reasons I said that this my friend would be whispering into her device.
4: That's even creepier. It,
1: it is. is. You're, but, but there's clearly a device in her hand, right? So right. you know that she's yeah. doing that. It's not like she's just randomly whispering. It's, <laughs> it's not quite there yet. But you're not quite whispering
5: sweet nothings into Siri's ear.
3: Well, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so
5: she's whispering. Oh.
0: Siri, baby.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, also, I, you know, hybrid stuff, Like uh, I think of... A super fast way to type on your Mac is using dictation, but with dictation with your hands on the keyboard. And just if you get really good at, like, dictating some of it, knowing when a word's going to come up that it's not going to get. And then jumping and, in. And, But typing it, and just, and while you're talking, you can edit. So you say something, and you're just, you got, you know, delete, retype this thing. If you do a hybrid, you can go super fast speeds. On back, but then you you have to work at it. You have to practice, and that's one of the things that I think a lot of us haven't done. Even even the kids, right? They're swi- they're doing the swiping or the two thumbs or whatever on the keyboard. But they're typing little text messages or Snapchats right. yeah. or Instagram messages, whatever it is, to each other. Just a, a line or two. The idea is, well, if you were forced to use that to type your essay or report or article or blog post or whatever, and kept doing that, I mean, you'd get really good at it. You you know, get really sore thumbs. My problem with both of those alternate basically pretty much any input mechanism
1: is that I still think slower than I type. Mm. Well in other I mean, words, that's good. That's the it. Right is, way, it's yeah. great, right? It's it's just one do of those. Do you things type that, really fast or do I think really slow? Yeah. Somewhere in between. <laughs> I mean when I'm writing, I'm I'm in a way I'm editing. I'm writing the wrong way. If you read most of the the advice on writing, what you're supposed to do is just don't think, Dump vomit, it. Right? right? Just vomit words on the page and then edit, right? I can't do that. That's not mm. how I work. I, yeah, I can't yeah. work that way. So I'm constantly editing on the fly as I'm as words are hitting, hitting the keyboard. And that's what slows me down. That's what keeps me from keeping pace with how fast I can type or how fast I can swipe or how fast voice recognition might
0: work. And I, I type about 120 a minute and I right. can barely keep up with... What I want to say. Right. So, right.
1: Hmm.
0: Different styles.
1: Yep. Definitely. I do know that in those cases where I forced myself to vomit, it, um, you know, it, it works. And I'm a, I'm a, yeah. So you're sticking <laughs> your finger down your keyboard? <laughs> I, I'm sticking my finger to finger down <laughs> <laughs> um, But the point is, you know, and, and editing is something that I do really well. I just can't get myself into that habit of, of vomiting because I'm already editing by the time I'm, I see the words on the page. See, I, yeah. I can't get my writing to look more like past dry heaving. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, on, I, I think that on, might be a great place on to <laughs> 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 Well Well, while, while Eric's dry heaving, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com Slash TEH 82. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast. Share TEH with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here or somewhere else next weekend.
1: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.